All right. Well, I guess let's go ahead and get started because. Not getting any younger. Let's go. <laughs> getting wrinkles waiting here. Listen. So your mom writes books. <laughs> I'm Caitlin McFarland. I'm Charlie. Let's go. So angry today. Charlie's having a day, you guys. I'm going to start crying. Oh, no. Guys, the to- PMS is real. No, I'm going to do it now. I'm ready. I went all over my house trying to find my headphones and I found them. We're going to do it right now. <laughs> Can't do this again. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, everyone, take a calming breath with me. I have, I have hormones, and they're attacking my body and my mind and my heart and my soul. That's heart and soul. It's oh. funny. My gosh, I can't even be friends with you anymore. Oh, we're talking well. about drafting or something, guys. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to talk about actually doing the work of writing. We're going to talk about how we sit down and draft. Or Charlie's going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about how I can't and or won't. And we're also going to talk a little bit about work-life balance. And my feelings. And Charlie's feelings <laughs> are also going to be present today. I hope that's okay. I'm just angry. My daughter has not put her glasses on yet. I have asked her 40 million times today to put on your glasses. She won't do it. And then she's like, they're dirty. I'm like, they're not dirty. They're scratched because you can't treat them well because I find them on the floor and outside all the time. And then there's one pair that she's just chewing the arms off of because why not? (laughs) Um, Welcome to those of you without children. If you want to know what it's like, it is like this. If you need to entertain your children while you write, just give them a pair of glasses to chew up. It'll entertain them for hours. They'll nod for hours. My kids don't nod on their glasses. Um, that's <laughs> My children are currently downstairs, all three of them playing Minecraft. So I guarantee you at some point I will cut a portion from this podcast that's me being like, hold on, Charlie. And then I mute myself and then I just shout at them through a closed door to be quiet. My daughter will go into creative mode and then make 500 cats. You think I'm exaggerating? No, 500 cats. And then nothing in Minecraft works because they're trying to keep track of 500 cats. And then she starts screaming because she can't find one of them. Oh my gosh. Uh, Well, I didn't mean for us to start with work-life balance. Um, (laughs) I guess... so hard today. (laughs) Charlie's not okay, you guys. Guys, it's fine. I know it's fine, which just makes me more frustrated that I'm so angry over nothing. But really, (laughs) my computer is just slowly dying, and it's like maybe 10 months old. And it's just like, you want to move this folder on your desktop? Too bad! That's going to take two minutes of loading, and I just can't even. And it just has set me off because it's period week. Sorry, men who are listening. No, not sorry. If you can't handle bleeding uteruses from half the population, then don't listen to this podcast. Oh my god! Don't you dare cut that out because they need to know. They need to know it's a real problem. 
I don't know how much of that's going to stay in there. Gosh, it's staying. <laughs> fine. I'm uh, fine. It's okay. Calming breath. I am fine. Let's talk about work-life balance. <laughs> Were you guys wondering what it's like to be friends with Charlie on a hard day? <laughs> Listen, Caitlin's way worse when she's beautiful. Caitlin turns into Satan. <laughs> Caitlin does. Today, Caitlin is not, not PMSing, so she's happy. And I get to feel like the sane one, which is what I like. Oh my gosh. It's because you went to Missouri and Missouri ruined everything. I don't I don't remember how to podcast. I don't remember how to talk to you without yelling. Uh, okay, no, yes. it's fine. Okay, so I'm going to calm down and focus for a hot second. So when it comes to work-life balance, when people ask me now, I am absolutely the worst person to answer this question because uh, my husband is a stay-at-home dad. And <laughs> how do you work? Easy. I go down to my office and work <laughs> because he takes care of the kids in the mornings. Um, so I am incredibly blessed to have gotten to the point where I can pay my own husband to watch our kids. <laughs> <laughs> and by pay, you just mean support him in the lifestyle to which he is accustomed. We eat the same groceries, yes. Yes. <laughs> she so, doesn't actually pay him to watch her kids. Yeah. And uh, because I published pretty early in life, my first book came out when I was 26. Um, I had one child at that point. And so uh, we had nap time. And so I could always utilize nap time. And then I was comfortable giving my kid after like she turned one, like two hours of TV every day. They get more than that now, but we're not talking about that. At this point in time, I was still trying. I was like, oh, if you show your kids TV before the age of one, they get ADHD. So I didn't. Guess what my daughter has? ADHD. Anyway. (laughs) That's a lie. All that stuff is bull crap. All that stuff is bull crap. Bull crap. It's my husband's fault she has ADHD and it's my fault she has autism. (laughs) Anyway, that runs in our families. Oh, boy. But uh, she skipped. Tourette skipped her. Tourette's also runs in my family. She does not have Tourette's. So there's that. <laughs> um, anyway, so I would, in the mornings, I like to work in the mornings. I have a hard time working in the afternoon unless I'm, like, really super hot for what I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so usually it'd be like, I get the kids ready. Jordan would go to work. And then Sesame Street time. She gets two episodes of Sesame Street. Sesame Street taught her her alphabet. I did not do that. And then I would work for two hours. And honestly, I usually can't sit for more than two hours at a time in draft anyway. So it worked out pretty well. It's always frustrating if she like needed something. But as long as like, here, here's a TV. Here's a sippy cup. Here's your snacks. And yeah. I could go work for an hour and a half to two hours and be fine. Yeah. And then sometimes I get a second wind at night. And usually my kids would be in bed by then. Yeah. So Jordan quit his job to stay home uh, shortly after my second child was born. And um, so I I would say he was like three or four months old. So he was still napping a ton too. And so Mm. it was pretty easy to balance it up to that point. Yeah. Um, That's not my story. (laughs) Uh, Well, first of all, let's say too really quick. Like we're not just talking to parents here. We're really talking to... Everybody who, like most writers have to have day jobs, right? Mm-hmm. So whether or not oh. you have kids, yeah. whether or not, you know, whatever you're doing. Well, um, let's talk about kids first and then we could talk about jobs because I had struggles with the jobs. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll make that its own thing. I just wanted to mention that so that the uh, listeners who don't have kids don't leave us. This is not what we're going to be talking about the whole time, you guys. So 
we're going to also be talking about like how to actually like, you know, get yourself sitting down and, and drafting and, and what that looks like. Or so will we? <laughs> or will we? You never know. It's a surprise. Um, so for me, I started writing. I didn't even start writing books until I had a kid and was pregnant with my second kid. I've talked about before. I was at that time working pretty much full time as a tutor uh, slash substitute teacher in Ohio in my high school, my old high school. And um, I would, I'm trying to remember, wow, that's such a long time ago now. So I'm trying to remember, like I would go to work and come home and my husband was, see, we, and at this time we lived with my parents and my husband didn't have a job. Not, um, I mean, we could call him a stay-at-home dad. He he technically was, but he was also just unemployed. <laughs> so, because um, he was looking for one. So, but I would go to work. I would come home. I'd be so tired because I was pregnant. But at that time, the story I was working on had kind of caught caught fire for me. And so I was able to just kind of get into it because I wanted to. It was what I did to blow off steam. So for me at that time, writing became my thing that I did for funsies, I guess, which if you can make it that and it's your thing that you do for fun, then yeah. And and I was pretty serious about at that point, I had become pretty serious about deciding that I was going to be published. And so I'm not, I know a lot of people, especially women, but a lot of people have guilt over like, oh, I'm going to take my time for myself and pursue my dream. I super have that. Me neither. Yeah. I'm very and, good at self-care because I am a self-centered person. <laughs> yeah. I think there is a kind of like, I've never, I do prioritize my family, but I've also never had a problem being like, this is my work and I'm going to do it. And you just have to deal with it because I'm just as important as everybody else here. Yeah. And maybe that's the key to all of this. Maybe that's what it comes down to is realizing that you are just as important as every single person that you are responsible for in your life. And so you deserve time and that will help you with that balance. If what you're struggling with is not spending enough time writing, you deserve time. Mm -hmm. And on the kid thing, I remember my mom saying that she felt like if she could give each of her kids 30 minutes of her undivided attention a day, so she was doing a good job. So she'd yeah. give each of us, we had, I had three sisters, so it was four kids. Each of us got 30 minutes of her undivided attention. And the rest of the time we just played by ourselves. And I remember having a really good childhood. So it worked. I, look, my mom was a good mom. I'm trying to remember. I I remember her being like, get outside. The sun is up. Yeah, right. <laughs> In the summertime, because I lived, uh, I lived like on a little like farm type thing in the country, in rural Illinois. Um, <laughs> and my cousins lived next door for part of my childhood. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I, I don't. And honestly, sometimes I don't know. If, I don't know if I, I will try and give them. I don't know if my kids get a half an hour every day. Even that is like, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. because well, and for me right now, I'll say right now, there's no balance. I have like three jobs, jobs. <laughs> um i have the etsy shop i have um i started writing for content for an app basically i and that one is the thing that takes up the most time right now i'm still trying to be a normal author and i also have this podcast which does take up you know 
I don't know, six to seven to eight hours, hours a, week. a week. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlin so, does all the editing. Yes, Caitlin so. does all the editing. But Charlie does the social media, which I tricked her into. So that's fine. I don't do a very good job at it, though, because I'm like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. The posts go up and that's what matters. It. I didn't want it. I didn't <laughs> want to have social media. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, and my husband works more than full-time hours, he installs cabinets and it's, you know, one of those blue collar jobs where it's like, yeah, he's working 45 to 50 hours every week. So it's not, I mean, it's not like he's working 80 hours a week or anything like he was when he was doing construction, but you know, parents are busy and kids are okay. Like I'm here. Like the thing that I like about all my jobs is that I'm here. Um, and my kids are, are fine and, and you know, they know that I, if they if they need me, I, I am here. So, but are I have they no... alive at the end of the day. Yes, you're right. fine. <laughs> yeah. Look, let's just go ahead and drop this Nora Roberts. Let's talk about this Nora Roberts quote really quick because okay. I think it's super vital. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. And then Charlie's going to tell us how she managed when she was like working, working. Okay, so I super like this. So I'm getting this. I found this. I remembered this quote. Charlie, actually, Charlie remembered the quote. That it existed, but I remembered what it said and I looked it up and I found this article on workingmother.com that talks about it. And we're talking about Nora Roberts. And if you don't know who Nora Roberts is, how big is that rock you're under? (laughs) (laughs) Nora Roberts uh, is the most famous romance author of all time. Pretty much. Yes. And so here we have, uh, let's see, in this article, it's talking about another author named Jennifer Lynn Barnes, who was talking about how she attended a Q&A with Nora Roberts. And Nora talked about how she juggled it all, right? And so this is what Nora Roberts said. Well, I'll just read. There's this, this is a series of tweets in the article, so I'll just read it to you. So Jennifer Lynn Barnes tweeted, uh, One time I was at a Q&A with Nora Roberts, and someone asked her how to balance writing and kids, and she said that the key to juggling is to know that some of the balls you have in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass. And if you drop a plastic ball, it bounces. No harm done. If you drop a glass ball, it shatters. So you have to know which balls are glass and which are plastic and prioritize catching the glass ones. And this is what I like, too. I love how – so she goes on a little further, and this is what I like. So Nora was not talking about – juggling five balls she was talking about juggling 55 balls the balls don't represent family or work they are separate balls for everything that goes into these categories and so that was a quote and then this so then the article goes on to clarify a little more she says they say by prioritizing the balls that are glass picking up kids from daycare making sure dinner's on the table or meeting a deadline on a project and not the ones that are plastic like crazy hair day at school staying caught up on your email inbox Parents can assure there are no glass shards where their little ones are crawling around. Uh, everyone drops a ball or two in a day. That's pretty much unavoidable. Nora's point is that the balls of bounce are fine to bounce. Catching glass before it hits the floor means letting the plastic ones go. And it's such a good, it's a good article. And it's, like I said, it's on workingmother.com. And the title is author Nora Roberts on juggling kids and work. Know which balls are plastic and which are glass. Um, so... If you want to look that up and read the whole thing, yeah, it's uh, pretty good. And I really like that because I like that it's not just oversimplifying and being like, well, your family is the glass ball and your work is a plastic ball. Because I think that's what a lot of women are conditioned to believe. Mm -hmm. Or a lot of parents, like work from home parents especially, um, just a lot of parents in general. 
I love that she specifies. She's like, no, you're juggling 55 things. And, you know, dinner, if you're the parent responsible for dinner, if that's your job, then yes, dinner is a glass ball. Everyone's got to eat. But crazy hair day at school is a plastic ball. And if your kid doesn't get their crazy hair day done, oh, well, you know. Any kid can give themselves crazy hair. (laughs) Not hard. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter wakes up with it every day. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I just I think that that's very good for putting things in perspective. And I love how I mean, first you get the whole plastic and glass thing. And then you get the fact that like everything, everything that goes into it. It's not just the big categories that are the Mm -hmm. actual things you're juggling. It's every little tiny thing that goes into those categories. Those are what you're juggling, not the categories themselves. So. That is something to keep in mind. And that applies to you no matter what. If Facebook Messenger asks me if I'm speaking one more time, I'm going to lose it. It keeps. So, Caitlin and I, we talk over um, Zencaster, but we see each other through Facebook Messenger. Uh And so, Facebook Messenger is muted, so we don't have two audio lines going at the same time. And Facebook Messenger, like every 10 seconds, are you talking? Unmute yourself. Are you talking? Unmute. Stop it. It's doing it right now. Stop it. (laughs) Mine does not do that. I don't know what's happening with you, Jay Charlie. I can't look at you anymore, Caitlin. (laughs) I can't (laughs) look at it. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Please don't give us bad reviews for this episode. Um,. Okay, so let's talk about work. So, like I said, most of my writing building up, especially all my aspiring stuff, was before I had kids. So I started writing when I was 13 years old. I started taking it very seriously when I was 18. Finished my first book when I was 19. It is a dumpster fire. Moving on. Um, I got my deal with my agent and my publisher when I was 25, 24? I feel like I was 25. I feel like this happened very quickly. And it came out when I was 26. My first book, Paper Magician, came out when I was 26. So um, balancing it with work and school, because I did a lot of this when I was in school, was always um, interesting. I only had one job that made it actually really hard to write. So when I was talk- talking, ugh, it's because Facebook's asking me if I'm talking. I'm using the wrong words. So when I was in school, I would, I could always find something like there's always time between classes to write if I wanted to. Honestly, what I did the most is when I was in a boring class and when you're an English major, this is basically every class you take. Um, when I'd be in a boring class, I would think about my story. I would think, okay, I know in the next chapter, A, B, and C have to happen. How, how are they going to happen? And I would think about it. And like play it out in my mind. And so when I did get around to finally having that hour or two to write, I knew exactly what I was going to write. And that was really helpful. Um, I also had a part-time job at uh, BYU that I could write during. And that really helped as well. So it gave me time on a computer where I could write. Um, I had a computer at home that I could write on as well. So that was always really helpful for me. My first job was a really great job. The culture was really great too. And so if I didn't have anything to do, like I felt okay just pulling up a manuscript and, you know, working on it for a few minutes. And I got a lot. That's actually, I wrote all of Followed by Frost. I had a day, I wrote 10, the, the highest word count I've ever had in a day was 10,000 words in a day. 
And I got that on a day at this job where there was literally nothing for me to do all day long. And I spent the whole day working on my book. That's amazing. I know. It was great. I don't know if my boss would think it's amazing now, but <laughs> it's okay. I don't work there anymore. Um, when I moved up to Moscow, I got a job at an engineering company that was the worst job I've ever had in my life, which is funny because the actual work was my favorite work to do. Um, it was a lot of technical editing, and I really enjoyed that as PowerPoint stuff, which I also really enjoyed. But the the atmosphere was just the worst. Like, it was the worst. I could have literally nothing to do and even go to my supervisor and say, hey, I need work. And they're like, we don't have anything for you. But if I did anything besides work, I would get in trouble. So it was it was really funny. So like if I pulled up a document and started writing on it, my supervisor would always like walk by and like see what we were doing. And then I would get told like, you can't do that. Or if I was on my phone, you can't do that or anything. I'd be like, okay, but I don't have any work to do. doesn't matter. You can't do that. This is why people are refusing to go back to offices and they're staying right? and they're working from home. Because if you can finish your allotted amount of work in a day, who cares? Right. Especially like as a salary employee, it's like, if I get all my work done in five hours, why do I need to just hang around for another three? Yeah. It's stupid. Let's be more European about this, guys. Because <laughs> Right. This is... No, but look. Look really quick, Caitlin. Like one of Caitlin's weird things. Like I don't think I could have a job like that, and that is literally the reason. That is the reason. Also, I don't like people. That's all. It just like it absolutely wastes your time. I would even there are some times where I would come in early, like before the workday started, just so I could work on my book on that computer, and I would get called out for that too. And I'm like, why? I'm not. I'm not using company time, but I would get called out for it. And it's it's just super frustrating. Or like, I actually outlined the entirety of the Glass Magician on the at that job using uh, digital post-it notes on my desktop. And one time, my supervisor was over it over, and I accidentally clicked on it. And like, I have two desktops that just suddenly fill with all these colorful post-it notes. I'm like, whoops, and I minimized it. Of course, got in <laughs> trouble for that, right? And it's just like, listen, let me just tell you something. This job had a 100% turnover within 18 months yikes yikes it was the worst i quit after six months um because i just absolutely hated that job and they were super disrespectful like this is okay i'm gonna tell you guys something um my book coming out next year my contemporary romance called you're my it <laughs> it's 100 based off of this job <laughs> and like so many of the things in there are real like they really happened to me so like for example like and this is tangent sorry employee reviews you get a one to a four and four is the highest and one's the lowest they actually had a company policy that i found out about that you can't give out fours you can't give anybody fours okay it's a <laughs> stupid company because they want you they don't want you to think that like you can stop trying that's the opposite of how it was it was so toxic it was the most toxic i had some amazing co-workers but like my supervisors were some of the most toxic people i've ever met i can't even yeah. remember the name of one of them anyway it doesn't matter so that job was really really hard like they would like if i even wrote down notes on a post-it note it would come up in a conversation with my supervisor i saw you writing more than a sentence on a post-it note what was that about and like one time I was actually writing out, like I was really mad at one of my fake supervisor. I had a supervisor and then a fake supervisor, long story. And I was like, the fake supervisor had just said something super rude to me. And I was just writing out like, this is why I'm angry, blah, blah, blah. And I'd rip it up and throw it away and move on. 
And like, she saw me doing that. And she's like, not my real supervisor. And, and I was like, this is why, because this other person who you let control you <laughs> did mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it made me mad. And like, oh, okay. I didn't get in trouble for that one. Anyway. So what I had to do is, and that's the thing, like Caitlin said, when you come home from like your eight to five, nine to five job, you're exhausted. Like mm-hmm. I could never just come home and write because my brain would be just fog, especially because there were so many times where they wouldn't give me any work to do that I would just have a, a document in front of me and I would listen to a podcast all day and just stare forward so it looked like I was working on something. Because they wouldn't give me work to do, but I would get in trouble if I didn't do work. Okay, sorry. This is a long thing about how much Charlie hated her last real job. <laughs> anyway, so I would utilize my lunch breaks. Because like I say, I work the best in the morning. Um, if I couldn't get up early enough to work at home, which I usually couldn't because I had to be there at 8 o'clock and it was like a 25-minute drive. Mm-hmm. So I would work on my lunch breaks, which were only 30-minute lunch breaks. But I would work on my lunch breaks. And um, I'm trying to remember, I know I must have worked more than that because I wrote a really long book while at that job and it was a six month job. So I must have been working on weekends that I must have like maybe gotten my like second wind at night and I didn't have any kids or anything. So it made it a little easier. Um, but that was definitely the hardest one because every other job I'd had, except for when I was a janitor, I could work at work, which was nice. Um, I got my agent and my publishing deal while at that job. And I remember telling my supervisor about it and they're like, oh, okay. Like they didn't care. I'm like, this is the most exciting moment of my life, (laughs) except for my wedding night. Um, And so, (laughs) but yeah, it does get hard. Um, If you can get a job that allows you to work at the office, or if you're lucky and you get a remote job where you don't have somebody breathing down your neck all the time and your work is done, because obviously you don't want to shaft your job to write because you'll get fired. But if you have downtime, use it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't, I'm really sorry. That sucks. I remember, and nobody likes hearing this advice, but this is advice I heard, I think, at Life, the Universe, and Everything when I was early 20s. And it's a good point. They said, nobody needs your attention at four in the morning. And yeah, that sucks. And most of us can't handle that. Mm -hmm. But I like honestly like writing is such a big part of my life and such a joy for me that if that was the only way I could get word counted, I would wake up at four in the morning. Even if it's just for 30 minutes a day, I could get books then. You know, See, I, don't worry, everyone. I would not do that. If no, you would, but you wouldn't wake going, up. You would still be awake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, <laughs> if you're sitting here listening to Charlie going, no, I would not wake up at 4 a.m. It's okay. <laughs> But yeah, so um, when you have like a really like grinding job, especially like like uh, Caitlin's husband, for example, he used to work construction. Actually, my husband used to do this too. He did awnings where they would work 12, 14 hour mm-hmm. days sometimes. And mm-hmm. then like those days, it's like you have one ball and that is stay alive. <laughs> yeah. You know? Look, shout out to anybody who's working those physical blue collar hardcore jobs. I've seen what it does. and uh it's support you guys we're here for you hard and even though it's a physical job it's so mentally taxing as well Mm -hmm. and so it just sucks it really just sucks so there are some times where like surviving is more important but i would say for like 99 percent of people there is some time there's one hour during the week that you can find to Mm -hmm. write and again if you can like even if you're just driving in the car you can be thinking about what you're writing next. And so when you get your one hour, 
it all comes out. You don't have to stop and think, well, where is, where is this going to happen? Or how are they going to steal this purse or whatever? You've already mm-hmm. thought it all through. You know exactly what's going to happen. You sit down and bam, it happens. Yeah. And that I think that's kind of – that is a good point is like if you do have a job where it doesn't always require – because like so when I sew, right, that's a job that doesn't really re- – it requires my attention so I don't like get a needle through my finger. But it I can kind of do that but my brain is also free. If I super wanted to, I could turn off my podcasts and Netflix and tell myself stories during that time, right? Like I could tell myself stories so that when I go sit down and write, I know exactly what I'm going to write. Um, usually I just listen to true crime podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big daydreamer. That's how mm-hmm. I come up with most of my ideas. I just sit and I daydream, you know, yeah. listen to music and yeah. But um, even if you're not, I'm a big outliner, you guys know that, but even if you're not an outliner, just sitting and thinking about what's going to happen next, I really do feel like it will increase your productivity by twofold. I agree for sure. Yeah. And speaking of productivity, I mean, should we... Talk about actually drafting. Talk about actually drafting. Yeah. We had someone ask this, and I went back trying to find the comment, and I couldn't find it, so maybe they're a ghost. But I had somebody message us saying, hey, I wonder if maybe it's in the email. Maybe that's why I can't find it because I don't check it. No, I do. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, But they're like, okay, so we've talked about brainstorming. We've talked about the spark. We've talked about story structure. But how do I actually draft? And it's like, okay, that's it. I guess interesting question. How do you actually sit down and draft? Because I'm sure you guys, a lot of you guys have heard the whole like. Butt in chair, hands on keyboard. Mm -hmm. It's like, just sit down and do it. But sometimes like, well, how? Like, how do I actually draft? So we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. So again, I am a big outliner. So if you're a pantser, sorry. Um, <laughs> so I know I know that I am ready to draft, obviously, when my outline is done. So then, then there's outlining and then there's kind of like micro outlining. So my outline is my general overview of each chapter. I don't always, div- well, lately I divide it by chapters. I didn't used to. But like I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I've started to make Caitlin read my outlines instead Mm -hmm. of my book as I write it, because then I can fix things before I draft them. So my outlines have gotten pretty specific, but they used to be, they used to be a really good roadmap without specifics. Like I would say he steals her purse, but I wouldn't say he steals her purse in the subway in New York at 5 p.m., you know, which is what I would figure out before. So when I say Mm -hmm. micro outlines, whenever I finish my writing for the day. I look ahead at my outline. I copy and paste from my outline what I know is going to happen in the next couple of scenes. And I put it into my document and I can look at it. And sometimes it's detailed and sometimes it's not so detailed. And I'll be like, okay, how does this have to happen? I, sometimes I brainstorm it then. Sometimes I brainstorm it like when I get my second wind at night and I just think, how would this happen? And I go through that little piece of outline and I expand it. I'm like, okay, here's the extra details that I left out. Like, hey, this is how I'm going to make it all connect. And so when I do sit down to draft, again, I don't have to think, what am I doing? I have the basic idea there. And I did that this week because uh, the climax of the book I'm working on uh, is not very detailed. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this happens. I'm like, okay, how? And so I was like flushing it out. I'm like, okay, well, there's like five extra scenes I have to write to make this happen. I really like this because this is actually not any advice I've ever heard before. Oh, really? In all of my years. Yeah. Where it's like, so, cause this is what I'm understanding and tell me if I'm right. You do your outline before you write the book. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then when you are getting ready to write a part, you copy and paste the couple of scenes you're going to write that day from your outline into the document. Yes. 
And then you go through right before you write and you kind of bulk up your outline. You fill yeah. in details in your outline. Yeah. That's really good. That would be a very good exercise to get you mentally prepared to write some scenes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes I do it. I usually will do it. Sometimes I do it right after I'm done writing for the day. And sometimes I do it the night before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm like, okay, I need to know how this is going to work. And like, there have been times where I, I'm currently drafting and then I get to a point where I'm like, oh, and I'll just get up from my chair and go into the next room because my office is a trash hole. And I just pace and think mm-hmm. about it until mm-hmm. I figure out what I'm doing. Then I'll come back down, sit down and write it. Yeah. And that, so yeah, that's something that for me too, if I'm in the middle of drafting and I get stuck on something, getting out of my chair going to like refill my water or, you know, going to like get a snack or, you know, just walking around for a couple of minutes and then coming back and sitting down often helps, you know, just to like reset a little bit and be like, okay. And your brain can start thinking again. I had a supervisor once, one that I liked, um, tell me that like when you sit for a long period of time, your blood sugar levels drop. Mm -hmm. And so he would always like every like couple hours get up and walk. And so that's how I actually got to this habit of both of my real jobs because they were like real life corporate jobs um like every like hour and a half i would get up and do stair laps and then come mm-hmm. sit back and sit down just so my because you know we all know what that cobweb stuff yeah. skull feeling feels like and i think it helps with that mm-hmm. so and i also think honestly if you're a pantser that is absolutely relevant as well because i feel like even if you're a pantser you're never going to sit down having absolutely no idea what you're gonna write you know it's like well I know I have to get them to point a to point b and sitting down to think how am I going to do this mm-hmm. or pacing I'm a big pacer me and Caitlin so Caitlin just came back from her two-week vacation in Missouri so of course we talked on the phone for two and a half hours yesterday <laughs> <laughs> because like I haven't really talked to her for two weeks and I got 10,000 steps super early in the day thanks to Caitlin <laughs> I pace while I talk on the phone and I pace when I talk to myself and I talk out loud to myself too. I was, I will talk out loud to myself and say, okay, what do I do? What do I do? You know, because that's just how I work. Not everybody is that way. I've been yeah. talking to myself many times. It's awkward. My husband is now used to it. My kids probably think it's normal. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. I, okay. Listen, I think that's really good. I, I can't Thanks. bring myself to talk out loud to myself because for some reason it embarrasses me, even though I'm alone. Oh, it totally embarrasses me too, but I've been caught so many times that I'm like, we're just going to act like this is fine. That's funny. But that's like my family. Like, like if, if a friend or like a neighbor caught me doing it, I'd be like, whoops, 100%. I will go on walks like outside and just talk to myself quietly. And sometimes people catch me. Uh huh. I'm just like, act like, I just act like I have a, like, just put your hand over your ear and act like you have a Bluetooth headpiece and you're trying to hear it better. And then just keep talking. You put (laughs) your hand over your ear like you're in the secret service. Is that? Yeah. Uh Uh (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is really good. And I'm glad you brought this up because now I'm having like a recovered memory of that one time that for some reason I taught a class about drafting, (laughs) which is like really funny because I have a lot of trouble actually working on a regular basis. <laughs> and, but what I, I think it was that our friend Erin Summer was supposed to teach a class at LTUE. On I remember writing. this. Yeah. She was supposed to teach this class. She couldn't do it. She was like, hey, Caitlin, will you teach this class at LTUE for me? And I was like, sure. Because you, I can learn the principles of a thing. Okay. And I can teach it. Whether or not I practice it, you don't have to know when I'm teaching you in the class. Except we do know. <laughs> we know, oh, we know you're you a fraud. Do. It's a secret. I am a fraud. <laughs> 
I'm a fraud. <laughs> okay, so I taught this class, and a lot of the principles that I were that I was teaching came from the book uh, by Rachel Aaron called Two Thousand to Ten Thousand. Or 2K to 10K, writing faster, writing better, writing more of what you love. And you can get this on Kindle for three bucks. Nice. Yeah, you can get the Kindle version or you can get the paperback for seven. I haven't read the book, but I there's a lot of it is actually also online. And there are some basic things that will help you if you need to actually know how to draft. There are a few basic things that you can do that will help you very clearly help you draft more. And after teaching this class and, and learning this stuff, I actually had three different days where I was like, okay, I am going to write 10,000 words a day today. I couldn't do it every day, but I did it three different times. My record is 11,500 words in a day, which is not balls. Um, yeah, that's a lot. And it, does, it takes like, you have to, it takes like a solid eight hours. You have to take a whole day and be like, I am writing today. So I remember seeing author Cameron Hurley tweet about how she can't really write during the week. So she writes on the weekends, but she gets in 20,000 words every single weekend, which is the same as writing five or no, 4,000 words per day during the week. This is pretty dang good. That's crazy. So yeah. So she only writes on the weekends. So that's the thing you can do if you can get do these 10K days. But here are, the th- here are some things you do that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, The first thing that you do is before you write, you sit down and you write down what you are going to write. So you basically, even if you're a pantser, you sit down and you just jot down a really quick little, like, you don't have to think of it as an outline if that, like, hurts you for some reason. Um, But you can, you just jot down, like, this is what I need to happen. Like, I need these things to happen, like X, Y, Z, to get from point A to point B. XYZ has to happen. You write that down. It can be as detailed or not detailed as you like. Don't get too caught up in doing it. You know, you don't want it to be like more than a couple of paragraphs or half a page probably, but you know, at least a paragraph so that you know what you are going to write. So your mind is focused. You have a list of things you can kind of like move through, right? Which is why I liked what Charlie said about buffing up your outline so much right before you go to write those scenes. I think that's so great. Basically the same thing. So if you can either buff up your outline that exists, or if you're a pantser, you just write down a list of things, like a little bullet point list, like A, B, C, D needs to happen today. The next thing you do is that you are basically going to sprint for 40 minutes and then take a 20 minute break. And then you're going to sprint for 40 minutes And then you're going to take a 20 minute break. And you're basically going to do that over and over and over again. (laughs) And however many times you need to do that. And you can also do like 45 minutes and take a 15 minute break if 20 seems like a lot and you think your brain is going to get out of it. But during those break times, you do things like you feed yourself, you take a walk, you know, you you move around. You do not sit in your chair. You get up and you move around or you take a power nap, right? Like yeah. you do What's interesting, some of those things. Jordan actually uh, read about a ver- this principle as well, mm-hmm. like a very similar principle. And he actually got himself hourglasses, you know, a big yeah. one and a little one. And he would work while the big one drained and then the little one was his break time. Mm-hmm. He would just turn that one, you know, and time himself. And that really helped him. Yeah. And it is incredible what you will find, like the amount of focus you will be able to like conjure within yourself. And I don't know, like this worked for me. I guess you probably can't, like nothing works for everyone, right? So if this doesn't work for you, you have to do what works for you. But it helps keep that mental fog at bay if you work and then take breaks every hour. Yeah, you're just able to get so much more done. So that is like sitting, if you came to this episode wanting to know 
yeah, how do I draft? How do I actually get words in? How do I focus and get bigger word counts? That is how you get bigger word counts is you do something like this. You you know what you're going to write and then you sprint and take a break and sprint and take a break and do that as much and you know for as many hours as you set or until you hit the word count goal that you set. And it took me let's see to do 10,000 words. I if I'm if I'm having a good day and if I know what I'm writing and if I'm like as Charlie said <laughs> hot for it um, <laughs> I can I can get to 10,000 words in about 5 hours if it's a very good day. Other days it takes me 7 or 8 hours. Yeah. So I draft between 1 and 3,000 words a day. Today was closer to 1 because I had, had first of all I had a bunch of computer problems so I started late and then um, I drafted two really quick scenes and then I was just too angry to go on. Especially because like my next scene was like the peak of the climax because everything else I've been writing is leading up to it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I am not in the mental state to write this right now, but my husband's going to be gone this evening. So maybe I will get my second wind and then get it done. So um, if I'm ever doing a scene, these are the things that make me, <laughs> these are usually the two things that make me do really high word counts. If I know I'm only a chapter away from the kissing scene, (laughs) I will be like, I want to get to this scene so bad and I will write extra. Also, when I'm almost to the end of a book, I write a lot more because I'm so excited to finish the book. And like I said, like my record was 10,000 in a day and that was to finish Followed by Frost. It was because I was so excited to finish Followed by Frost slash I had nothing else to do. But... (laughs) I will write like way big chunks, like five, six, seven thousand words if it means I'm going to finish the book because I'm I'm so excited to get to that point. Yeah. The first time I ever wrote a huge chunk like that, it was like six thousand words. And it was when I was getting close to the end of or it was when I was finishing my my first draft of that traveler book we've talked about mm-hmm. that no one will ever see. Yeah. Because it's like I think we've talked about it before. I know we've talked about it. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but mm-hmm. there's this funny thing where it's like, I know everything that's going to happen in the book. I've outlined everything that happens in the book, but it doesn't feel like it happens until, until write I it. write it. So it's like, if I mm-hmm. want these two to like be in love forever, or if I want the bad guy to be beaten or what have it, it doesn't happen until I write out that it happens. Yeah. And that's just this funny thing I have in my head. It's like, I know what happens. I know they have a happily ever after. But then if I don't actually write it, they don't get the happily ever after. And so I have to write it. You mm-hmm. know, I have to make it happen because I am God. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, another thing, obviously, with drafting, I'm sure you guys have heard about this, doing a daily word count. Holding myself to a daily word count when I was 18 is what got me to finish books. Mm-hmm. And so I've said this before. If you can do 500 words a day, which is half to a full page on Microsoft Word, depending on your line breaks. Um, you can finish a book in six months. That's two books a year. And that is definitely a professional pace. I think it also helps you make a habit. I saw a thing on Instagram earlier this week, which was about this person talking about, um, exercising. And they said like, I had to do it every single day. Like I did it because if I, oh, and then they talked about on this podcast today, it's called, um, minivan mamas. They, that the best advice they ever got is don't do it later because they're like, oh, the laundry needs to be done. I'll do it later. And you know, you won't. And so Mm -hmm. it's like doing it now. And so not putting it off for later. So even if it's just five minutes a day, or like in this example, even if it's just like 
five sit-ups, <laughs> you yeah. know, a day. You're still doing it every day and you're building up that habit. And, you know, it could be that you're a weekend writer. It could be that you're an everyday writer. I am a five days a week writer, um, unless I'm really hot for it. Um, and, but like being able to build up that habit will really help you to meet the word count goals. And most people who are like, Oh, I want to be an author have never finished a book. So if you do have a word count goal and you are meeting that word count goal and you finish a book, even if your book is hot garbage, like so many of mine have been, you are ahead in this big race of publishing. Yeah. And that's true. And I don't think I could write every day. My brain doesn't work like that. And I know that a lot of people can't work like that. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin's a camel. So she'll just be like out in the barren desert, just hanging around for a while. And then she finds a watering hole and just gorges herself. <laughs> wow. That's a metaphor. <laughs> but it's true. Because Caitlin, Caitlin will pull. She talks about writing a 10,000 word day. I have done that once ever. And Caitlin does it fairly regularly because she'll just suddenly have the day where she's at the watering hole and like all hell breaks loose. Like everything that's been building up for so long. It's just like, we are living now. And it just explodes (laughs) and a book happens. I don't, well, okay. I don't do 10 K days on a regular basis, but I more than I do by far. Yeah. I, I will pull pretty big when I'm into it. I will pull a pretty big word count, but it's also when like, cause this is how my life goes. Um, because I don't have regular desk jobs and now, now I do with this producing content for this app, I do have a more regular job. So I might not be able to do this as much, but like with Etsy. So if somebody orders something from me, I generally have like two weeks to get it to them or whatever. Right. So, um, I will have this thing where I'll get some Etsy or like, I'll get my Etsy orders like for the week. I'll know which Etsy orders I have to do that week. I will try and do, I'm a binger, right? I, I do things like this. I will try and do all of my Etsy orders and finish them Monday or Tuesday, depending on how many I have. Now, if I have a ton of orders, I can't do that because then, you know, whatever. But if I have like, you know, I don't know, zero to five or six dice bags I have to make, I can finish all those in two days, um, sometimes one day. And then I have the rest of the week where I'm like, now I'm free. And so what I have been able to do because I have kept my time flexible is I can say like, okay, Tuesday's a writing day. And then on Tuesday or on, you know, usually it's more like Thursday or Friday or whatever. Usually it's at the end of the week. I'm like, all right, well, today I don't have anything else. So guess what? Today I'm going to binge write and I will. And that's when I get my big word count. Now I can only do that like usually once a week. And so my word counts are still coming in far lower per week than somebody who can work regularly like Charlie working regularly is still better. My goodness, if your brain works that way for the love, just do it. (laughs) But if your brain doesn't work that way, if you're like me, um, then this, this form of clearing your schedule so that you feel mentally unburdened enough to just binge right for a whole day is fantastic. But also, listen, sometimes the feeling like I have to sit down and binge right is what prevents me from writing because I'm like, then I'm going to be doing this all day and I don't want to write all day. Guys, you don't have to. You can sit down and if you sprint, if you get good at sprinting, which I've kind of like, like if you do the thing where you like know what you're going to do beforehand, you just write it down really quick or you buff up your outline or whatever, you know what you're doing. You can easily get 2000 words in an hour. Mm -hmm. 
you can just take, and you don't even have to, if you or just do 1000, sometimes 2000, my brain just was like, no, I can't today. That's fine. Do 500 words, do a thousand words. You don't even have to work for a full hour. You can work for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever time you have. And if you get, if you train yourself to focus and sprint when you have time to do it, you can still lay down pretty solid word counts. And that is something that like I have had to, and I still haven't quite like internalized because when my brain goes, oh, it's time to work, then another part of my brain goes, no, we could be playing video games. We could be laying on the bed, staring at the ceiling. Um, you know, and it's it's mostly this idea that I'm going to have to spend this interminable amount of time focused on something. It's not that long. And that I think that if you train yourself, and even if you don't have a word count goal, and you say, well, I'm just going to do what I can for 20 minutes. It's not that long. I can do 20 minutes, right? Like, I think that has helped my brain out a little. The only other thing I have to say is to figure out your method. So part of my method, for example, is like flushing out my outline before I write or having that chunk of outline. I like having it in the same document that I'm writing in. I do not listen to music. I rarely snack, but I always like having a big water bottle with me. You know, everybody has a little bit different. Like I usually write down in my office, but there are some days where for some reason, I couldn't tell you why I don't want to go down to my office and I write on my bed instead. Some people like writing outside. Some people like writing inside. Some people need snacks. Some people need timers like the sprinting timers. Figure out the method that works for you, that makes it the easiest for you to work and makes it the most enjoyable for you because everybody is a little different. Like I could talk to another outliner and their methods are going to be completely different from mine. Yeah. No. Ooh. But that's good because I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't even think about that. I have like um I don't know if I have some little sensory things or what, but like for me when I'm when I'm drafting, I have to it really does actually help me to have like a snack and a drink. So like I can sit there and like I always my drinks always have straws, so I just have my drink between my arms and I have my mouth on the straw and I'm just <laughs> typing and drinking my drink. And um usually it starts out as like a Pepsi, but then I will go fill that same cup with water and then I'm just drinking water for like the rest of the day out of that same cup because that's a habit that I have. Mm -hmm. And yes. um <laughs> and it also helps me to like so I and I'm you know, whatever, be healthy. Um, it helps me to have a little snack, like a little thing that I can just put like a little thing in my mouth. Like I will eat like one mini M&M at a time <laughs> while I'm drafting. And then, you know, like I'll get to a moment where things are like, I sit back for a second and I take a handful and I eat them. So maybe it would be better to do like sunflower seeds <laughs> <laughs> or cut up a carrot. And like, I don't know why, but for me, it helps for the snacks to be like Tiny. very small. And so I can like sit there and I just like put one in my mouth at a time, but I can do that for like a long time. Right. So like cut up a carrot in tiny, tiny it's, like, it's not because you're hungry. It's like the action of eating. Yeah. It's like how sometimes it's easier to pay attention to a lecture if you're doodling. In a yeah, book. exactly. It helps my brain for some reason. It helps my brain to not stop moving. And for me also, sometimes I cannot get into like flow state unless there is music playing because music helps block out all the other sounds, which I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty good at doing that on my own. Like when I read or when I'm doing something else, I'm actually very good at, at um, I guess, hyper-focusing. Um, but sometimes when I'm writing, if I'm doing a task that I don't actually really super want to do, um, I can't do that. Everything, every little sound distracts me. And so I put my earbuds in 
And because, okay, so when I write, when I draft, I don't know what it's like for everybody, but I literally have to go away. Like I would describe it as just like mentally, fully leaving the space that I am in and being completely engaged in what I'm working on. Yeah. And so I've started telling, I started telling people to get out. I have to go to my mind palace like Sherlock. (laughs) Since I'm at home with my kids and I'm the primary person taking care of them, that can be hard to do. It is. And that's why I have had to start listening to music because I literally cannot disengage from hearing my children and monitoring them at a, you know, on whatever level of my brain, I'm still listening to them. And so I've had to say like, Okay, they're old. And for me, my kids are older, like they're nine to 13 right now. So I don't have little kids, right? So I can be like, I'm going away. And I have to think about it like that. Like I'm leaving right now. And I put in my earbuds and I turn on my music and it allows me to leave, right? And so if you have to do that, you have to, but then, you know, also if you are the primary caregiving parent or if you are, you know, you have to give yourself permission to do that, which is the most difficult thing, actually, I think. So, yeah, what's really interesting is like it took a really long time, like until pretty recently, for Jordan to understand that going away. Because sometimes I would be drafting and he would come talk to me, and it just, it's like you're like running around in the clouds and then somebody just grabs you and slams you into the cement on the ground. And it's like, yeah. and I would get so, I'd get snappy, like, what? And I'm like, because then you like, okay, where was I? And you have to try to like climb back up to where you were. Yeah. It's really, dis- it's actually disorienting. And it he is. doesn't understand that because he's not, he doesn't go into that creative hole. And he would get so mad at me that I was so mad at him. And it took a really long time for him to like, kind of come around and understand what it's like, you know, because you really do, you go away. And if you're interrupted, it's so hard. Like if I'm copy editing, you can talk to me at any point in time. Like I don't care. But when it's drafting, you have to go to, to your mind palace you have to go away it's like i'm fully absorbed in the book i forget where i am like yes i'm i'm there like you know it's it's just like reading where you kind of go away when you're reading when it when i'm writing i'm i'm there too yeah and it's even more when you're writing because i do get when you're reading and i do get snappy if people interrupt me when i'm reading something good or listening to a podcast that i am enjoying um but when you're writing it's even different because you have to keep track of what's happening next because your your brain is laying down the track of what you're going to write just a little faster than you can or way faster than you can write it but just you know slightly faster than you can write it most of the time you're thinking ahead of what your next thing is and if somebody is interrupting you a bunch or if you are being interrupted by noises you forget it you lose it yeah you lose it and that is so frustrating luckily for me so my husband is a <laughs> he is a dm he he you know has to sit there and he has to plan our dungeons and dragons sessions he's the dungeon master he has to plan it out and since he started doing that he has come to understand like flow state and the fact that like if you're writing something you don't want to be interrupted and I have had to then also deal with the fact that now I have a partner who sometimes I cannot interrupt <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, which is kind of funny. Anyways, I that was pretty much my last thing I had to say. Well, awesome. Um, yeah. If you liked this podcast, <laughs> we go into that. I don't know. Um, so draft. Yeah. Good luck. Um, Godspeed. Yeah. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. We update every Tuesday, and we take questions at yourmomwritesbooks at gmail.com. Caitlin, who are you? Uh, I'm Caitlin McFarland. You can find me at Words and Geekery on Instagram. And I finally updated my other Instagram to say, hey, guys, I'm not updating this Instagram anymore. And I've noticed that I'm not really 
getting as many followers on that anymore. Don't follow me, Caitlin H. McFarland, because I'm not there. Um, or C.H. McFarland. Uh, I'm not, I don't update that one um, <laughs> at all, ever. I am also still on Etsy at the moment. I am a little, uh, now that I'm a little busier with writing, we'll see how long the Etsy shop goes, but I'm at Etsy at Words and Geekery. I'm the author of the Dragonsworn trilogy and a couple of short stories. What about you, Charlie? I am Charlie N. Holmberg. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and especially Instagram at CN Holmberg. You can also find me at charlienholmberg.com, which is also where I sell signed books. I have people ask me a lot. So um, you can get them there. And you can find me on YouTube at Charlie Holmberg Music. I am the author of The Paper Magician, Spellbreaker, Star Mother, and Numina series, along with a smattering of standalones um, that you can find the cheapest on at Amazon. And they're all on Audible. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. I'm feeling a little better, guys. So thanks. Thanks for hanging oh. in with me. Charlie, wait. What's your pun? Oh, F. Um. <laughs> hey, Caitlin, you look like you could loosen up a little bit. How about a draft beer? Wow. Does that work? That works. <laughs> I don't drink, I guys. I don't know. <laughs> Are we allowed to say beer? I'm sure we are. <laughs> yeah, you could say beer. If they could put beer commercials on like regular TV, you could say beer on a PG podcast. PG 12. PG 12. This is PG 12. Oh my gosh. Okay, you guys. Thanks so much. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.